Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. My name is Winter, I'm a comedian, and this is my show. So welcome to the show, guys. This is episode 81 with a very funny comic, Scottish comedian Leo Curse. He's a favourite on the UK and international circuit. He's been at the Fringe many times. He's working really hard. He's a very funny guy. I'm not going to do his full bio because we're going to hear it all in the show anyway. You can follow this podcast. We're on Facebook. We have a page. You can go like that. We have a Facebook group, The Comedy Defect Facebook group. Go there. Join the group and share your favourite episode, tell your friends. And if you really liked it, you can go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, and donate as much as you feel this podcast is worth. But if you can't donate, that's okay, we'll still do it. You know, that's don't panic, it's alright. This is the last episode of 2020. I'm so glad it's nearly over. We're in tier 4 right now, we're just crawling, clawing our way to 2021. We've got the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel there, we are nearly there. So this is the 2020 Christmas special. If it's special, you can decide that. If you like it, share it, tell your friends. You can follow me on Twitter. Remember, I deleted my account and started a new one, so I've got hardly any followers on there. This sounds a bit desperate, but you know, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I mean, it'll inspire me to maybe start writing some more jokes on there. If you, you know, just do it. Why not? <laughs> you can follow me there. I'm on Twitter at Joker underscore Season. You can follow me on Instagram, which I'm a little bit more busy on, which is at Winter Dominus. That's Winter D O M I N U S at Winter Dominus on Instagram and at Joker underscore Season on Twitter. I've also got a Facebook page you can go and like that too if you want. Now this is like I say, Leo Curse. I don't want to do a long intro. I think the short intros are much better. I'll let the podcast speak for itself. All I'll say is I hope you had a good Christmas. I hope you're looking forward to the new year. And I'll just say this is a great episode, episode eighty one with Leo Curse. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope you're looking forward to 2021 with a bit more positivity. Enjoy. Leo Curse, uh, thank you for having me in your mansion. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, thanks the, for coming. The, yeah, the convent. Yeah, the ex-convent. Yeah. And uh, uh, no, it's been great, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, was uh, Welcome to the Comedy Defect uh, or your house or your mansion. Yeah. Uh, so how mansion. are you? How are you? I'm man? good, thanks. Yeah. yeah, I just got back from a tour of Southeast Asia. Then I had a show last night. I had, a, I had to do a, a 45 minute clean set oh. at a holiday park for old people. And mm. like when I say old people, I mean they're like sort of 80 to 90. Oh. And yeah, it was brutal, brutal 45 minute death. I did 40 minutes, which was pretty good. I just, you know, I wanted <laughs> to get paid. They hate me so much. They're walking out and they're, they're walking out. And uh, like while they're walking out, like somebody dropped their crutches. I was like, man, that's when you know you die, when people who can't walk are walking out. You know what I mean? It would be far more convenient for them to just sit there and put their hands over their ears, but they're like, no, yeah. I'm this, this comedian's cured me. I'm walking out right. on my broken legs. <laughs> <laughs> These 45-minute clean sets, uh, I've talked to you about them before. Yeah. Right, so like you say, you've got to be a, a stone-cold killer, right? That's These, the these gigs, man, like sometimes you go, I do them for money because I really love having money. But <laughs> really, you're just doing it for the money. And it's not like, you know, if you die at Top Secret, if you die at the comedy store, then you feel it and you feel horrible. Mm -hmm. Like you feel nothing can nothing can cleanse you. You just feel feel terrible and, and it really eats you up. Mm. If you die at these things, it's really like it doesn't affect your ego at all. Great. So it's fine. I mean it does a little bit, but but not really. I th and if you smash it, because yeah. sometimes you do it yeah. and you smash it. And then you just feel like the most amazing comedian in the world because like, you just smashed this impossible gig. Because they're always set up really badly. I mean, last night it was set up with a huge big uh, dance floor in front of the stage because they were dancing before and after me. They had a band and they were dancing. And then I'm the only comedian. And the people who do them, like the, the dance manager was saying, oh, you know, 
she said, well, this is before I went on. So I'm looking forward to seeing your stuff because normally we just get people who come and do, they get different comedians who come, but they all do the same jokes. They just do these old jokes and, you know, that's how it works. It's like the cruise ships. So you've got these like, it's a totally different circuit from the circuit that we're on. It's uh, people, because I mean, comedy as we know it, club comedy, you'd be like, you'd be cast out if you did other people's material. And uh, and also like comedy is supposed to be personal, authentic, and it's not really just about shitty little sort of setups and punch punchlines anymore. It's more sort of story based and, and personal. But um, but yes, yeah, so there's still a circuit of like after dinner speakers and, and cruise ship comedians and holiday park comedians you just go around doing their, their shitty jokes mm. you know that were from I mean I, man I remember doing I was doing like an after dinner uh, thing and the other guy that was on he went on before me like which was the wrong way round mm-hmm. but he just did all the best stuff uh-huh. from all the comedians in the 70s like Freddie Starr you know all these and I was like I'm alright comedy good at coming <laughs> up I'm not as good as like the best stuff from all the comedians <laughs> in the 70s you know what I mean yeah, that's yeah. some pretty amazing stuff yeah. How can you compete with that? You can. You yeah. literally can't. Look, he's done the best of everybody in the last few years, yeah. you know? And so you're coming and go, well, guys, this is the stuff that is pretty good, but I'm working on it. It's like somebody it's fucking possible. your girlfriend with, like, yeah. the 12 best porn stars cops. Yeah. You know what I mean? How are you gonna, you're not going to be able to compete with that. <laughs> yeah. Like, even if you die at this gig, I guess you won't have many, you know, return customers for your other shows or whatever. Yeah, there's not much of an 80 overlap. to 90, right? That's yeah, there's it. not much of a Venn diagram mm. between, like, the people who follow me on Instagram and maybe come to my shows mm. and people at holiday parks are, I mean, like, so old, it was just, it was just insane. Mm. Like, so to, trying to do crowd work was, was difficult because they're, like, they're really sort of, yeah. they can't really talk and they're, and they're sort of scared because it's oh, like, yeah. you know, guys shouting at them and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, this is, it's really imposing, dude. And like, yeah, uh, yeah the younger guy, like, hey, what, what, what do you do? Yeah, what yeah. Do you, I don't yeah. remember. I'm retired. I'm retired. <laughs> Married people make some noise. <laughs> Widowed people make some noise. Oh, no. They sound happier. How's that half other half of the pension going? Come on. <laughs> oh, enjoying it. Uh, would you do cruise ships as well? Yeah, yeah. I had a had a trial for cruise ships last year. Uh, I didn't get it. I did well in the night, but they said they could tell I was a comedy store act oh. trying to be a cruise ship comedian, which you know. Which, to be honest, I'd rather be that mm. than the other way around, you yeah. know? Like, Fair enough. <laughs> it's yeah. mad, like, me and me and Jeff, because I do sensatory resorts over mm. in, like, uh, Ibiza and Turkey and stuff. And me and Jeff Innocent were over doing doing one. And they're, they're really fun gigs. There's a, a cruise ship comedian on the on the plane, mm. and he recognised Jeff, and we were talking to him. And uh, he was going over there to do, you know, some sort of flyback or something. So they, they joined the cruise and then, like, you know, spend a week on it doing doing shows every night mm. but he was all like oh I want to get on your guys circuit I want to get in your guys circuit and you know Jeff's like well you know you're gonna you're gonna have to write your own jokes mm-hmm. and the guy's just like well all of them you know there's no like couldn't comprehend that that's mm-hmm. that's that's what we do and I've wow. no idea why he wanted to be on our circuit because even like a good night on the club circuit you're gonna so you know you'll get 200 quid or you'll do a, a double you get like 400 500 quid Man, the cruise ship comedians are getting thousands. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's it. And then holidays as well. You go around yeah. places, getting off in all these places, and the the buffet yeah. for a start. Jeez, yeah. it's incredible. Although the thing is, if you die in them, then you got to like you got to stuck in a boat with all these people. You know what I mean? There's oh, nowhere yeah. to hide. You can't. Like last night, I ran out the back and just didn't stop running until I got to my car. Oh, man, well, the grass is always greener, isn't it? It's like the money is is a thing. It's like, uh, but you want. That's the bragging rights of that kind of thing. It's like, well, I'm on that circuit. I've done because the, the comedy store is the, is the number one club that everyone's like. That. Yeah, comedy store is not. Yeah, I'd say a comedy store top secret mm. hot water. They're like the they're like the sort of gold standard. Mm. 
We had a comedy store especially. It's like, you know, it opens doors. Yeah. But it's it's one of those ones like I really I really enjoy. I feel relaxed doing Top Secret because mm. like I get booked there quite a lot and I just feel like if I die it doesn't matter, they'll still book me. Mm. They'll they trust me and stuff and like, you know, I can try out new stuff and you know, um it's got that sort of feel whereas at the comedy store I feel like much more pressure. Mm on myself like from myself mm-hmm. to, to perform I feel like I'm being watched with a clipboard and yeah. you know if I mess up you know <laughs> yeah, totally. then it's like oh, no weekends ever again you know <laughs> so which I mean I don't know maybe that's true maybe that is yeah. like, you know mm-hmm. but I always feel a lot more a lot more nervous going on at the going on at the store than, which is good than that's anywhere else that's and it's such a brilliantly like constructed club I mean Top mm. Secret is as well like, mm. I love what they've got now with the downstairs they've got the, the wall at the back that makes mm. it like this it's just changed the atmosphere and it's, mm. it's so good and they're on top of you as well, aren't they? Like they're really, like really close to you as well. You can really yeah, feel yeah. the energy of the crowd. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Just moving that way or that. When did you start, Leo? Uh, about uh, nine or ten years ago. All oh, right, cool. Uh, so do you know where was your first gig? Yeah, it was in um, Kentish Town. It was uh, Ryan McDonald ran a gong show at a place. I can't remember what the the venue was called, but Sanderson Jones was was emceeing it. So I knew Ryan. He was a friend uh, through my flatmate Oshin. And Oshin was always, he was always going on at me to do stand-up comedy. And then Oshin was like, well, I've, if I do it, like, you'll have to do it. And then Oshin did it like three times. And he was like, you've got to do it now. And I was like, to Ryan, I was like, yeah, okay, like, I'll do it. And then like, it was instantly hooked. It was brilliant fun. Um, I lasted like four minutes in the in the gong show, my first go. Nice. So yeah, I was, I was pleased with that. And then my second gig was down in Putney. I think a guy called Neil D'Souza ran it. And it was, Rich Wilson was emceeing it. Uh-huh. And it did seven minutes, and I'm not joking. I smashed, and I thought that was it. Mm-mm. This is it. I'm just comedy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm fully formed, brilliant at comedy. <laughs> but no, it just turns out like it was a very like you know hot, nice crowd, and yeah. like you know very yeah, yeah. fucking. Oh. And then I died on my ass at a procession of terrible like you know shit open mic gigs yeah. for for years after that. What was that one? The the T Bird oh, uh, yeah. kind of a comedy bin or something? It's downstairs on the Friday night uh, yeah, in yeah. Uh, in Finsbury, Blackstock Road. So they had a bunch yeah. of open mics all yeah. over London, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, they were all they were all pretty and really difficult yeah. to to do. So, mm-hmm. But that's yeah, open mics. You sort of yeah. once you sort of get off the open mic circuit, it's weird how much easier the gigs get mm-hmm. unless you're doing a holiday park or ninety year olds. Those bars at those holiday parks are all inclusive isn't it you mm. pay for the whole lot so they have been drinking all day yeah. so you know it's like doing a fringe crowd but although mm. these guys have had like 10 pints you know? well yeah the sensatories especially it's all inclusive and like man you're on at like 11pm mm. so people are many I had a guy uh, first one I did I had a guy in Cyprus uh, get up on stage and try and wrestle the microphone off me oh. so he could like you know <laughs> sing a song or tell a joke or whatever so it's, my, like, it's Michael I did like you know obviously I was like trying to be as good as possible to like you know so I got booked again yeah, like yeah. Um, yeah. so I had to like you know sort of wrestle with them yeah. <laughs> just put them in a chokehold just put them out uh, whole, whole family just round of applause you're like high five yeah well done but it's like yeah, yeah some, sometimes they've got like a really like great atmosphere especially uh-huh. the one in Cyprus it's great I did one a couple of months back about a month and a half ago in Turkey and that was fun as well did you do you remember your first joke you ever wrote I did a joke about the Diana Memorial, and I also did a joke about um, I did a joke about Susan Boyle, um, and the, you know the gist of it was that she's, you know, people think she, in England think she's ugly, but in Scotland she's a bit of a babe. And I'm not joking; I was still cracking out that joke until about like a year ago. <laughs> oh, great! But a few comedians have got a version of that joke, you know. Oh, yeah. Getting to comedy, was there anything that you ever kind of thought, oh, geez, I, I don't know if I can 
I, I can do that. Did you like have a performance background or anything in the college? Or? No, not at all. I mean, I did a lot of, um, I guess, public speaking because oh. I was a criminal intelligence manager. So I was like delivering briefings to mm. rooms of, uh, you know, police um, commanders, mm. politicians and stuff. So, you know, pretty sort of mm, on high pressure stuff and having to get all my materials together and being able to like, answer questions right off mm-hmm. the bat. Mm. So... Kind so I mean that was that was quite sort of high pressure performing. That's some real good training for it then. Eh? That's it, presentation skills and yeah. writing skills and keep it concise as well. Yeah. And there's some there's something about stand up is like you can see when people start doing it, they've still got the the sort of open mic rhythm. It feels mm-hmm. scripted, it feels forced mm-hmm. instead. I think the the more you do it, the more it becomes just like your your normal voice mm-hmm. and you're just telling a friend in the pub a story. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and also it's like a, it's a lot more like music than it is anything else it's got mm. that sort of I think the best comedians like Bill Burr mm. Chris Rock they've got that it's almost like the Pixies they've got that um, that grunge rhythm like the quiet loud quiet loud thing mm. so it like sort of builds momentum and then you know yeah <laughs> slams how many shows have you done? like actual gigs? yeah no like shut, no no I mean, do you still count? no no I mean I, I, I still count some OCD like that like I don't know why I don't know why <laughs> how many have you done? Uh, I have done 956 gigs holy shit yeah so I was like oh, it should be better <laughs> <laughs> but it's like but like I don't know why do you know what it is I think yeah. I think I'm saving my uh, self esteem for the thousandth gig I'm like right. no fucking I'm brilliant now that's what yeah. it is you know I go yeah fuck it. so I'm like, I have the tattoo and every like you know like an Iron Man tattoo like you know yeah, like, or yeah. the or the Olympics, uh, just a microphone. That's what I'm going to get. That's it. But, you know, <laughs> an awesome tattoo like that. But yeah. but like no, it's um, I don't know what. Just for me, I used to write. For me, I used to write a, like a, a like a, a review for each of my gig. Right. And then after like after 900, I went fuck this. Yeah. This is bullshit. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't need to do that. I yeah. know what I did wrong and that or did right. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. you just kind of like absorb it and go, and then you just remember for the next time. Yeah. How many like uh, actual shows, full shows, have you done? Um, blame me so there's two pun man shows yeah this pun man I love this right, so, so pun man right I love pun man it was it reminded me sort of like uh, like of, uh, of banana man and and like yeah. some, you know and it was something really to do that right yeah. yeah so what was the idea for this yeah go on was- so yeah so basically me and me and Darren Walsh uh, hmm. basically I fell in with a bad lot when I started doing comedy <laughs> I fell in with Darren Walsh and he like he, like then we just started doing puns we're all just we're friends and we're doing puns all the time <laughs> and nobody told me that puns are awful and nobody wants to hear them so I was like me and Darren were having so much fun and then we did a show did a show together called The Tale of the Pun um, which was and my, my stand up was always a mix of like puns and stories and non secretaries it was just like it was bullshit just jumped around all over the place but me and Darren did a show together called The Tale of the Pun which is like improvised puns basically having a pun battle man it was the most fun show mm. so people in the audience would shout <laughs> stuff out and then we'd have a pun battle and like then at the end the audience would decide who won <laughs> great and it was great and we dressed up like uh, pun lords like I was uh, he was Genghis pun and I was a tale of the pun great I saw the poster for that around Edinburgh. It was with the the Viking horns. Yeah, as yeah, well. that was brilliant. Yeah, it was really fun and made his money and stuff. But then Darren wanted to focus on his like he was doing some forty five minute work in progress show and like didn't want to do a tell of the pun and stuff. So then oh. we stopped doing that. So then I did then I did um, uh, pun man. So that was basically a tell of the pun, but just with me doing it Correct. and dressed in spandex and like I'm not joking, man. It was so much. 
Like it was a really fun show to do, mm. but obviously not going to get. Any, it's never going to get like in the Guardian or anything. You know what I mean? And yeah. also, it was it was really exhausting to do. The one thing that I love now is like my show is like go for an hour or whatever. Mm. Like I can do two of them back to back. It's mm. like no no stress. Mm. Doing improvised puns, people shout stuff out. You got to do puns. You've either got to like remember puns or like mm. or come up with puns based mm. on what they shout shout out. It's absolutely it's so draining mm-hmm. and to do that every day and then do other shows as well it was like it was terrible so i love doing improvised stuff i did stuff with the noise next door this year oh. and obviously i run hating live yeah, with Darius, yeah that's, which is that's all great improvised i remember doing that years ago like when it was when we were in espionage oh yeah and, yeah, yeah. It fucking it was so much fun man yeah. mean, but, but like that was the first like, ever year yeah that's like that's a, is it five years ago now something like that more than that oh. that must be like yes yeah, i mean I was, I was then i was no way near ready for that but it was so yeah. much fun to do yeah, like, yeah. and uh and uh, yeah, you guys were down there, and uh, that's that's closed now, isn't it? Espionage is finished, isn't it? Yeah, that's a real shame, man. Yeah. They had some really nice rooms in there, mm-hmm. and uh, I noticed Cowgate was was quieter this year. I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. Espionage was gone, or if like Edinburgh, you know, numbers are just down in Edinburgh overall. Yeah, like I, I really hope Espionage comes back to to Laughing Horse. I really hope Laughing Horse take takes us back. Yeah, we did Hating Live in a paid venue this year. Mm-hmm. I did my solo show in a paid venue, and what uh, venue were we with? Uh, so for Hate and Live, we're in just the tonic, the big cave, which is great at the weekends. But then you know it's just tough getting people in. Um, do you know? Whereas like previously, we're in Maggie's chamber, we're just yeah. always full, just yeah. always full, and like with a good audience. Even on Saturday nights and stuff, when it's like you know the the courtyard's full of drunk people, we we were getting like a dedicated audience who were there for the show and like they behaved and they were fun and they gave us loads of money. It was great. Great. But yeah, so big cave it looked better, which is good because we filmed one to like you know because we've had a bit of TV interest in mm-hmm. that. So it was good from that point of view, and hopefully that's going to pay off. But financially, we didn't, and obviously you got to pay a lot more for mm. for someone like the big cave. And then I was in I was in Gilded Balloon, huh. the Gothic room from a solo show, mm. um, which was the transgressive, is it? Transgressive, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I only did it because Phil McIntyre, the promoter, huh. and they sort of paid for it and sorted it all out oh lovely um so that was good but then you know they take they take money off and they were you know we're talking about doing a tour afterwards and i'm not sure i'm not sure if that's going to happen mm. i should get some money we sold like we sold quite a, quite a lot of tickets so mm. hopefully i'll get some money from that i mm. don't know how it works but yeah i wasn't i wasn't that impressed with it with the um, gilded yeah. balloon yeah mm. the room i did the noise next door thing in like one of the pleasance rooms it was, like, oh, it was like some sort of tv set from the future it was just mm. brilliant but the gilded balloon the room was kind of it just felt like a free fringe room is that which is what is that when you go upstairs and then downstairs and around the, the yeah it's all like, it's amazing yeah, there so you're like I'm, you're downstairs but you're also upstairs you know is that the one yeah I was I was down I was down in the basement in the yeah, nightclub room yeah yeah so right. it's quite a it sounded like quite a big room huh. it's like 150 seats but then like they've got the balcony there's 20 yeah. seats upstairs oh, or whatever right, right. so it, it's yeah. not actually that big you know downstairs but it's not like got the best acoustics and stuff it wasn't right. like perfect for my show huh. which you know I think it would have been better in espionage maybe but I mean it's you know it's still it's still fun the, yeah. the, the good thing is like people are paying like £13 to come and see you when I was doing my right wing shows mm. like I'd get people coming in just to disrupt the show yeah. you know what I mean like mm-hmm. and I'm fine with them doing that if they paid to get in yeah. but you know yeah, they're, just wreck, friends, they're just going to trash wreck it. the flow and then like yeah. ruin it for everybody else right that's yeah, it yeah. but so you because I, I, I came to your show uh, I Can Make You Tory oh uh, yeah in, was that 2000 so that would have been 2017 2017 right right and uh, so I saw that it was great I really enjoyed that yeah. show the right wing comedian was that much of the material from uh, I Can Make You Tory for in right wing comedian or uh, there's some there's a little bit of overlap like I always like sort of 
tend to bring over the best stuff. <laughs> no, that's fair because a lot of people say they, you know, I'm not saying you've done this fully, but yeah. they change the name of the show every year, but it's the same right. material. Some people really? do that. Yeah, yeah. No way. Just got like big acts are like maybe middle, middle, middle right, tier. right. But um, yeah, so that's why I heard they're just gonna keep yeah. honing it up until it, you know it's ready or whatever. Do 45, yeah. 45, and then boom, fifty with the big, the big show. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know until you've until you've sort of made it and mm-hmm. you're you know you've had a big sort of breakthrough show like you know not like some people are coming back to see your show, but a lot of people are just seeing it again for the first time. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good to have that. Good to have that sort of. And um, you know, my agent, Phil McIntyre, they're like, yeah, just you know, make it a bit of uh, greatest hits. There's a lot of new stuff in Transgressive, and the the new stuff I think is better than the the old stuff. It keeps evolving, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so this uh, Transgressive, did uh, were they like people that had come to see your other shows in the last few years, or? Yeah, yeah. There's some people. Uh, some people come back every year to see my shows. Great. And then yeah, there's there's new people because I'm in a new venue. And then there's there's always people who come and they're like. When you bring it back, Pun Man. <laughs> <laughs> have you recorded Pun Man, the show? Yeah, a little uh, bit. Yeah, and yeah. because that'd be because that'd be great to discuss. You know, if people like that, they go. There's a fucking little bit of merch, isn't it? You know, they go. Fucking yeah. have that. It's Pun Man. There you go. <laughs> That's it. I'm not doing it again. Yeah. But there it is. You know. Yeah, yeah. Remember, uh, Stuart Lee had bacon face. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. Pun Man's my bacon face. Mm. That's your uh, shadow side. You know, that's it, the old puns. And, and uh, Transgressive, did you get any reviews for that? Was it not any Yeah, reviews? I got quite a lot of reviews. I was sort of annoyed. I had a couple of four-star reviews. Uh-huh. And then I was annoyed with a lot of the reviews. They'd be like, oh, this is the funniest show you'll see at the Fringe. The audience is in teary hysterics throughout. Mm. You know, he's like a young Billy Connolly. Huh. Uh, they'd be like, Bob, but he's got some bad opinions. He's got some opinions I don't agree with, so three stars. Wow. You know I mean, it's like, man, it's a fucking comedy show, not an opinion show, you it's- fucking wanker. And also, like, a lot of the people... So I was, like, talking about transgender issues and stuff, mm-hmm. which I've got, like, you know, I'm talking from a personal experience because mm. I used to be a woman. No, like, talking from... I dated a transgender woman and she wrote some of the show with me mm. and some of the material that got me in trouble and got me banned uh, last year. Banned from where? Uh, from the my venue at the Perth Fringe in oh, Australia. Oh, wow. So, um, so that's what Transgressive was about. It's about censorship, getting banned and Ooh. dating a transgender woman and stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about this stuff from, you know, it's an, it's an informed perspective mm. and it's also my lived experience, if I can mm. be woke about it you know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. and uh, so these reviewers are coming in with no you know informed knowledge of, of you know transgender issues or something and saying that my my you know what I'm saying is wrong which is like well, I, was, I was really offended by that because yeah. obviously it's a lot easier for a woman to transition to being a man mm-hmm. than it is for a man to transition to being a woman because like men are yeah. you get you get Got small you. you get small effeminate men you you tend not to get six foot six masculine women mm-hmm. so you know men stand out if they, if they transition whereas you know women who transition to being men just just pass they're not noticed mm-hmm. so you know i had a, had a bit of material about that and like one of the reviewers said oh this is offensive what you're saying you know this is you know it's not this is just a fucking fact, and I mean, it's your life as well. How yeah. come you can't talk about your life? That's my fucking experience. Yeah, you're yeah. banning my your 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 sort of basic human right as a person, isn't it, to say your piece, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. Speech. Yeah, it's like I was doing. It. I was doing a preview over in Dublin, and uh, it's funny how woke people are so intolerant. Just kind of, of stuff spoken about. And then uh, there was a woman in the front who just hate. She just hated me. You know what mm. I mean? Because obviously my persona on stage is quite, you know, a little bit, you know, chauvinistic, uh, arrogant, but uh, you know, it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, and. Um, and she was like, so I'm talking about this bit. I've got this bit about uh, being sexually assaulted by a doctor, and it's a it's a legit uh-huh. thing that happened to uh-huh. me. And uh, you know, like I got run over, I was in hospital, and all this sort of stuff. And the guy went to jail. You know, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a real thing, not for assaulting me, for assaulting somebody else. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's a real thing. And I start talking about it, and she's like, she's like, oh, don't, 
just like that. Don't. I'm like, excuse me. She's like, don't tell the story. And I'm like, how, how can you like tell me not to talk about my own personal life? Imagine if I was a man in the front row of a comedy gig telling a woman that she couldn't talk about something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah. The, the entitlement there. It's insane. And also, like, you know, it's a funny story. I'm very lucky that my uh, sexual assault was a very funny one. So, uh, you know, I, told, I was like, I was like I'll tell, you know, I'm like, this is a funny story. I'm telling the story. And she's like, it's not funny. And I'm like, I haven't told it yet. And then uh, and I told the story and everybody laughs. And, uh, and I'm like, see, it was funny. And she's like, it wasn't funny. That's great. That's like, what I love about throwing a tantrum. Yeah, right? well, that's what I love about comedy. Yeah. Like, it's involuntary. You can't stop yourself laughing if mm. something's really funny. You know what I mean? Mm. It's funny. Cause like, so she was sitting with her mates and they were, she was like making them try to stop them laughing, like just glaring at them and like, you know, it was making a really weird atmosphere in the room. But, uh, but then finally, man, like I cracked her, I cracked her mates and then they just couldn't stop fucking laughing. Cause that bit about fat activists, the bit where I talk about, you know, uh, writing a review with the chubby little fingers. Right. She was on her phone with her chubby oh, little fingers at that time. Our friends, our friends sitting around the table just <laughs> lost their shit. She was fucking furious. It was brilliant. You can say anything with comedy as long as you've got a good heart about it. Right. Yeah. And you can see, you can see if you're, if you're just, being a real person and having empathy for both sides and going, look, man, I'm just poking fun at the ridiculousness of the whole situation. Yeah. Sure, that's what comedy is anyway, isn't it? Like, and it's, and if it follows your own sort of personal logic, it doesn't mm. have to like, you know, stand up in a, in a court of law or anything. Mm. I mean, look at Chris Rock stuff. Like his seminal bit like about black people being more racist than white people. Mm-mm. You know what he's saying is like, you know, if you isolate what he's saying, it's terrible. Mm. Absolutely like unconscionable. But he's, he's following his own personal logic and it mm. works. And also like... It, it reveals a sort of deeper truth about society and progresses society. He's saying like, look, black people, stop treating us as like you're one amorphous, you know, homogenous group. We're not. There's strata, there's different, you know, layers and, you know, within, you know, black society, there's different uh, levels and stuff. So it's, you know, it's very, um, I think it's a very progressive bit, especially for the time. Um, but man, he like there's no way he'd like be able to get away with, with doing no. that these days. Even in this uh, country, it's like you know, it's it's like okay, they, they could say the white male thing, right? And you're like, okay, right, that fine. You're, you're one homunculus group as well, still, isn't it? Like, yeah. and they go, then it's like you're divided from okay, white male to okay, where you're from in this country. Okay, you're Scottish, are you are you Welsh, Welsh, are you yeah. English? And then it's like, are you North, South, or West? And it's just so many divisions. It's like it's like you know, we're ne- no one is ever united, really, isn't it? It's, everyone's yeah, yeah. all in, in separate factions. That's what we've already. It's already been broken up. We've already like, and then constantly people through social media now are just being divided further and further and further. Yeah. So, so no one can join together in anything. Oh, we're that. Yeah, we're yeah. We, we've got a voice. We've got a voice. Okay. That's the real. Voice. That's the real sort of criminal thing about identity politics is it, does, it just stratifies and silos people and hmm. uh, and you know that stops that you know because there's far more like similarities between people who mm. are differences. So focusing on all these like infinitesimal, like atomized differences between people and breaking them down to such a granular level. And mm. then, you know, it's like, it's way overthinking it, yeah. man. Like, you know, people talk about, you know, all this discrimination and, you know, how there's uh, structural discrimination against women or ethnic minorities or mm. stuff. It's like, man, it's, it's bollocks. Like, <laughs> It's both, there's like, all right, there's some, but like, you know, there's always going to be something. Mm. There's always going to be something. And like, man, like my mom, like she, she went to college. She like ran business. Like my dad, my dad like left school at 14, like a, a gunsmith and stuff. It's like, there's people have, you have to treat everybody as individuals. I know it's like, uh, it's, it's against the law to say it these days, but yeah, like I agree with uh, Martin Luther King. Like people should be judged on the content of their character, not mm-hmm. the colour of their skin or whatever demographics they've got. 
Mm. Like there's, uh, you know, I think if you're a white working class person, you can have things a lot worse than than somebody who's an ethnic minority or a woman. All these shows in, in mm. Edinburgh are talking about privilege. Like Sophie Duker. So she's she's young, she's from a wealthy background, she's attractive, she went to private school, she went to Oxbridge, one of them, I don't know which one. Yeah. But like, you know, she's had that absolute, you couldn't get a better start in life, you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, for her to be up there talking about privilege, other people's privilege, mm-hmm. it's like, come on. I've always complained to my wife about this stuff, right? I'm like, gonna go look, what the yeah. fuck, this, this person is talking about uh, being working class, right? Yeah. And then it's like, you know, you, w- when you're in a situation like that, you go, right, you either do, have two choices. You either get off your fucking arse and fucking go and do something and, and try to make better yourself somehow. Yeah. And you earn money and go, fuck it, find me. Now I can do the fucking thing that I want to yeah, do. Yeah. Or you kind of like either just become the victim and yeah. go, all right, that's it. I've, I'm fucking I've fallen over. That I can't get up. This is what life has dealt me. Yeah, I yeah. can't do that. You either fight or die, basically, isn't yeah. it? And so the, the, the thing is now, I, I'm just saying, you, you see a lot of people go up to Edinburgh these days and they're going oh you know it's hard being you're in fucking Edinburgh yeah. do you know how much that costs that costs five grand for just a, a shitty little room somewhere yeah. five grand and your accommodation you're lucky yeah, yeah. if you got included in that five grand yeah, you know yeah. and you are eating whatever the fuck you can go to Little every day I don't have a problem with Little. I think it's fucking brilliant yeah. they're so myopic in their view of the whole fucking their their whole life yeah. in that situation of like oh yeah I'm just I'm uh, you know I'm really struggling who else isn't working class here these people are coming on holiday to fucking Edinburgh the yeah. most expensive festival in the world yeah, you know yeah. and, like, and like yeah you're right yeah, yeah. round of applause do you know what I mean though that's yeah. the kind of thing I don't like when when people get all these good reviews so like oh this this play has got an important message about how racism is bad so who's been twenty quid in a fucking ticket to go and see a play in Edinburgh that's racist mm. and is going in watching the play but oh wait a minute mm. wait a minute I'm not going to be racist now because this play no there, nobody was fucking racist before they went in you know yeah, what I mean? that's it that's like you're it. just preaching to the choir yeah it's just oh you're a victim we're a victim too god we're all, isn't it great being a victim yeah. no fucking get off your ass and stop uh, fucking yeah. just uh, this but and I'm this like, victim uh, thing man like it gives people such power and all mm. this stuff like all these all these professional victims mm. it gives them power over people they can destroy careers they can get their own career mm. get you know boost their profile like Jussie Smollett that that um, actor in America so he's a black actor he's on a show called Empire right. and he wanted to boost his profile make sure he's not dropped from the show so he staged his own his own racist homophobic attack against himself like paid these two Nigerian brothers like real brothers mm. not using 70s for natural <laughs> and, uh, and they got into um, sort of him up or whatever and you know then he said he got sprayed with bleach and it was Trump supporters wearing MAGA hats and they had a noose and all this kind of stuff really like dangerous like racially divisive horrible thing Mm. to say but yeah he he wanted to be a victim because there's so much power in it these days big time people put stuff on Facebook and to to reinforce that that image that they have on there like and I I really do hate social media I I, I use it enough because as much as I have to for comedy because you got it but it's just like that but I see a lot of people going oh you know this has been like three years or whatever since I had a drink or this blah blah why are you fucking telling us this this is your life this this is making a difference to me if you know if you haven't had a drink you know as long as you're not an asshole to me I prefer your fucking grand yeah yeah so it's I've been drinking consistently (laughs) for decades and I just deal with it I'm not a baby (laughs) I can deal with fucking getting drunk yeah. Fucking not. And when I when I feel bad about drinking too much, I'll just stop. I won't tell anyone about it. Oh, that's weird, isn't it? I haven't told anyone about my drink problem for fucking years. Isn't that great? <laughs> you know, just keep it yourself. Ball it in until it's a problem, and then it's an intervention. Yeah. Now I'm you know? from a long line of alcoholics, and apparently, oh. what happens with every generation is uh, they'll be fine, they'll be fine, they'll be fine, and then something will happen, and then mm. you're an alcoholic. Yeah, and then you yeah. drink yourself to death. Well, I think it's just something terrible, like you know, from a from a dad, like his mm. business failed. 
and right. then that was that was it. Gunsmith then, business. Wasn't uh, it? No, so he had to go back to being a gunsmith. So he started. He ran. Uh, he ran a sort of a knitwear business with my mum, oh. and then they moved to Scotland, and then he opened a restaurant. It all unraveled. And uh, Dumfries. Sorry. What's that? Sorry, it all unraveled. It all unraveled. Hey, uh, come on. Oh, God. We're getting him in there. Uh, Paul, bring back Podman. Come on, Podman. You're in there somewhere. Uh, and yeah. Uh, sorry. So went to, sorry, went to Dumfries, uh, you said, and uh, they, they started a... Uh, my, dad, my dad opened a restaurant. A restaurant, there. right, right. So, yeah, in, which is very hard to, to sort of make money with. Uh, restaurant. Especially if you don't know what you're doing. So... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it, it, like, is this the pizza served with chips? I'm just doing your material back. To no, you. this, this is this, like, this is a thing, man. If you if you'd opened some sort of chip shop, we'd probably oh, be having man. this conversation on a yacht. Oh yeah, but um, he opened a sort of French bistro. Oh god, in 1982 in Dumfries. <laughs> so, man, fuck knows what he was thinking. Wow, Kensington maybe, but not uh, not Dumfries. He was ahead of his time, man. That's it. Uh, that yeah. was it. That's it. So, and what did your what's your mom? What's your mom do? Uh, she's a she works. She had a sort of where. Um, Business. Oh yeah, right, right. So, um, so she started up and another after they split up, she started up uh, another network business. Right. Um, doing like sort of quite sort of high end, nice sort of Scottish Shetland wool stuff. Mm. You know, all sort of hand finished by local people and stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, so yeah, it's really nice stuff and uh, yeah, quite quite successful. Did your uh, did your brother involved in any of these businesses or anything like that? Uh, my brother's a chef. Oh yeah. Um, in a really nice restaurant in Glasgow called Five March, right? And uh, I've eaten there; it's really good. It's really good. It's maybe a bit more expensive than I'd normally uh, go for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a sort of Weatherspoons guy. Um, yeah, two for one, right? All the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, steak right. Tuesday. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about hating life earlier. Is there yeah. a home for hating life now? Is there a what? Is there a home for it? Like, do you have like a regular um, So yeah, we, so we do it fairly regularly at Top Secret. We're supposed to be doing it on Saturday at Top Secret, but um, Camden Council wouldn't grant a late licence, uh. uh, which is really annoying, man. Like, you know, I just, I think it sort of chokes off. Like, this is what really annoys me about about government. I, I'm not a fan. This is why I'm right wing. I'm not a fan mm. of government intervention or anything. But the government, like, takes my taxes, takes your taxes, spends them on ballet, mm. all these like follies for the rich that mm-hmm. nobody wants to go and see. If they want to go and see them, make themselves fucking sustaining. I don't want to pay for somebody's opera, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean and, like, I mean, and, then, and then comedy, we don't get any, we don't get any mm. subsidies from the, from the government. So we've got to like, you know, and it, comedy's a far more legitimate art form. Mm. And so it's self-sustaining. Mm. And then like the government won't even give us a fucking license to put mm. on our show. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's just disgusting, man. Like, I think I, I don't like. I think government should be small and should just like look after the roads and mm. the police and pick up the bins and mm. then just fuck off out of every other part mm. of life. We don't need subsidised arts, or if we do, comedy's got to be subsidised as well. Yeah, yeah. Rob Mulholland did a great show about it. Mm. It was really funny. He did a show. Uh, he tried to get Arts Council funding for mm. his show, but it had to be a play. So his play was called something like uh, a play that popular comedian Rob Mulholland puts on so that he can get Arts Council funding. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, as you're saying, like, the, the price of fucking tickets, man, like, to, to go to a theatre of some kind, if you want to go, like, yeah. even the shitty seat would, like, behind the fucking pillar. Yeah. You know, you are fucking going to be charged, like, a hundred quid. Like, yeah. uh, that's a basic now. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. And it'll be shit because it's a play. And no one's going. Oh, man, you've got to go. Like, I've seen a girl at the moment and, oh. like, she likes going to plays, so now oh. I've got to go to plays because... You know, I want to see her. And so, like, what's the, what was the play you went to see recently? Well, I haven't actually been to see one with her yet, but I went to see, with uh, an ex-girlfriend, I went to see the 
is it the woman in black or something? Oh yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen the film. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like a ghost story sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all like sort of misty uh, mirrors and uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was the worse. Film wasn't great either. To it was worse than like I'd say. Even the best play is worse than like just an all right film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Films are just inherently better because yeah. you can, you've got more stuff. You've got like computer generated robots mm-hmm. and shit like that. Got gunfights and car chases and dinosaurs and stuff, so just inherently, obviously, better. Comedy wise, right? Who's your massive major influence? I mean, I get, of course, Billy Connolly, I'm sure, was it? Yeah, Billy Connolly. I mean, like, growing up, I mean, I I didn't have any, I didn't think I was ever going to be a stand up comedian, Mm. so I I was just enjoying it as a punter, but um, I love Jerry Sadowitz. My mum used to bring us to see Jerry Sadowitz. Uh, every year, like when, when we were like fourteen and stuff, <laughs> getting his brother just dying, like, oh. laughing, we couldn't believe it. Like he's just so yeah. man, so out there. And I think that's man. Uh-huh. I can't believe all these people trying to like make comedy so sanitized now. Mm. It's like we've got to have that sort of that safety vent in society where you go and see a man, like you know, the stuff that comes out of Jerry Sadowitz's mouth, it, oh. it would get you arrested in any other situation. But for yeah. some reason, it works and it's really funny. It's just. Absolute genius, man! It's like it's like watching. Imagine watching somebody who can like I don't know, like just do some insane trick or play the three pianos at once or something like that. Yeah. It's like watching that. It's like it really takes you to like a, a place you don't go, and it's such a direct and authentic form of art, mm-hmm. like just somebody talking. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just insane. Like it just it, there's a speed to him, man. It's fucking just like fucking nonstop, yeah, fucking yeah. an anger and a, and a rage. And, yeah, and he, he must, is he in his sixties now? He's fucking. Yeah, I think late, yeah, late fifties. Jeez, man, um, it's like so, yeah. the energy on the guy. Very, you know? very healthy. Huh. Very healthy. Yeah, late yeah. 50s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were, when you're fourteen, that was what you went to see, and uh, yeah. you. And what? So, what did you want to do when you when you like when you were like, okay, I, I love comedy, but what was it? The thing you were like, oh, I want to do like a job. I didn't really know. No, I didn't really know. And then, like, I, you know, I had to go to university because all my friends were going to university, mm-hmm. so I went and did film and media because it looked easy. <laughs> and it was easy, but it was too easy, and it was just like it was a waste of time. Totally. It was just stupid. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I uh, should have done like a more vocational course. Oh. Um, did you do it in Dumfries or where did you do it? No, I did it at University of Stirling. Oh, right, right. And then when I finished that, so I was seeing a Canadian last year, so I went over to Vancouver because mm. they make loads of films there. Uh-huh. But then I ended up working for a dot-com company. I got into tech and computers and programming right. and stuff and analytics. Oh. And then I came back and I wanted to do something good for society. <laughs> so I worked for the police and the government doing mm. uh, doing all kinds of analytics and intelligence and stuff. And that was, you know, that's what I thought I was going to do forever. Uh. Um, but then I just started doing comedy for fun. And then, you know, I never thought it was ever going to be anything other than, than something I did for fun. Yeah. And then eventually just sort of gradually took over. Because I saw you first in the, we were, clo- you were closing in the blue posts uh, when you're doing the, uh, the, when you always had that like little catchphrases back then, years ago, we were like, ah, party time. You know? <laughs> party time. <laughs> and it was, it was in the blue posts and you, there was a few clubs that had their shows there during the week. Right. So that was where I first saw you. Right. In comedy. You know, everyone works works at it. Like, but what do you see yourself as? Like, uh, in you know, you you work like for a model of something like, oh, well, I'm like this. You know, I'm like a you could you know, sort of like a trade or something like that. Yeah. You know, what do you see yourself as? Like, ah, uh, yes, yeah, I think it's like it's like being a musician. Okay, like just the lifestyle, and also like when you're when you're on stage, it's much more of a sort of music than a than anything else. It's got is the rhythm and the momentum. That's like way more important than. That you can, like it just brings everything you're saying to life, and you know the you watch comedians and there's a real like like I was saying mm. with the it's almost like grunge or like the Pixies or something mm. loud, quite loud. You've got the 
he's you watch Bill Burr some of the, the build to a, to a momentum yeah. and there's a real music to it I think it's way more like music than a play yeah. or some kind of like monologue yeah like jazz yeah maybe maybe not I mean jazz is, would be like surrealist comedy mm. doesn't make any sense mm. but done by some fucking posh twat who's like <laughs> sneers at John goes oh man I hate these pricks you know oh yeah John was comedians oh they're they're rubbish you know mm. a jur- somebody called me a journeyman comedian the other day I was like well fuck you how, like, okay right question for you right what, how is that a bad thing like how 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 is journeyman a bad thing because that's somebody who's like you know just never made it replaceable like. never gonna never gonna make it just going around plodding out the same hack stuff right. bullshit man that's <laughs> I don't real think fucking that, bullshit I do all kinds of gigs oh. I do like you know I do I've had a pilot greenlit for the BBC Scotland and stuff people assume that because you do clubs oh. that they can't man there's far more artistry and invention mm. in club comedy than there is at other areas of comedy mm. man like you go and watch somebody like you know Marcus Birdman man that is like that is just watching a master craftsman a master artist at work yeah. it's so good so funny yeah. and there's so much variety and uh, excellence on the club circuit I think it's a real golden mm. era for, for comedy as, mm. a, as a punter yeah. and it's great that there's so many people doing fringe shows now like just pure fringe shows about like whatever pain they have inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, Loads oh, of them are shit, man. Yeah, well, this oh, is great, God. isn't it? Which is a wonderful time for a club comedy to go, oh, this is actually what it's like. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. like this is what it should be. This should be a joke yeah. here. There should be not much more jokes here. And you should yeah. fucking practice that to the fucking nth degree. Yeah, and know? it's so weird though. Like, you know, the comedians that are blowing up now, like Mo Gilligan, uh, Paul Smith, Mm. Like they're they're club comedians. Mm. They're really good, punchy, live, mm. brilliant comedians who can construct and can riff can construct amazing amazing like uh, routines and stuff. Mm. Uh, you know the industry sort of seems to be ignoring that side of things, and I think that's why there hasn't been a big star come out of the UK in like ten years. Mm. I think the last one was probably Ramesh, yeah. and uh, and he, you know he's he's fairly clubby. But all these ones that they're trying to push, man, they're just dog shit. I don't mm. know why they're like getting all these like shit comedians and pushing them. People want to see stuff like Kevin Bridges, mm. Mickey Flanagan, yeah. Sarah Millican, yeah, like good punchy personal mm, mm. club comedy jokes like yeah I mean really yeah, just jokes that you can laugh like, at yeah, like it, rather, yeah. Than, rather than oh that's nice that's a nice story that you've like, you've uh, therapised in this yeah. room with us tonight like and I see a lot of these people who are, who are doing these uh, fringe shows and everyone like is trying to, is trying to basically take that that format and go oh and, and, and who can fucking top uh, Nanette you know, I mean, like, you know, as in like you, you telling something that's really painful at the end of a show. Yeah. I mean, how, who can top that? And that is the, 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 the pinnacle of that. I'll shit. tell, I'll tell you, you know? something painful that happened to me. I watched Nanette. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe, man, everybody was talking about Nanette. Uh. Darius did a funny thing. He posted, he posted yeah. on Facebook, you know, like, how come everybody that says that Nanette's good is shit at comedy? Mm-hmm. How come it's just shit comedians who like Nanette? And then everybody posted on her and he's like, Oh my god, it's actually really good. They're all shit comedians. <laughs> well, it's like, well, that's the thing. It's like it's like I, I, the first like I think the first maybe uh, maybe twenty minutes were cl- her cl- a club set. And well, yeah, that, and, people and then say, the end was just like I. I, I well, just, people say well the the, one, the bit yeah. that was I mean I had some like interesting good premises in it mm-hmm. like the the bit about uh, you know what what do the sort of shy how do the shy guys you know if you don't want to do the Mardi Gras how how do shy guys sort of demonstrate mm-hmm. their the celebrate or whatever I thought that was a really interesting premise mm. but the, you know people were like oh the first the first half is like just absolutely superlative club set it's like no mm. it's not she's doing jokes like 
uh, doing jokes like, oh, people say laughter's the best medicine. I think oh, it's penicillin. Yeah. Mm. That's like an old joke. It's yeah. a shit joke. It's like, come on. Mm-mm. That was in a Christmas cracker. Yeah, like, that's true. You know yeah. I mean? that, pre- that joke predates oh. antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you were talking about before preaching to the converted, right? There, yeah. right? They, they, they came to see her, they knew her, and they've, and that's it. So it's not a hard gig, is it? But yeah. like, you know, that's that's the thing. It's like, but, yeah. but it's, like, I mean, you see, like, you see a lot of these things now. That 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 meaning that doesn't have to have meaning. You, I mean, I, I talked about Jamon before, but I think the Jamon he doesn't really have a. He says even at the start of his shows in in Edinburgh, yeah. there's no meaning to the show. But yeah, yeah. I've just got jokes. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, and he yeah, does yeah. everything to like a comedian. He's been on doing it so long that everything he watching yeah. his shows does it to the fucking nth degree. Yeah, so yeah. much time, so much skill, so much practice, yeah. and it's so and, subtle as well. Yeah. It's so understated. Absolutely. It's, I mean, my my favorite comedians are guys like you know Bill Burr, Chris mm-hmm. Rock, who really come out and like bludgeon you by mm-hmm. a mallet. But yeah, Jim Owen, he's so, and he's a really nice guy. Like, yeah. I had a drink with him in Australia. Mm. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. But yeah, like such a master craftsman with mm. this, like, you know, he's just quietly. I, had this bit, I went to see him a couple of years back. He had this brilliant bit about um, so his wife, like, reads a book uh, lying in bed next to him. And uh, so he, he, like, moved the bookmark just to, to mess <laughs> with him. And then, like, he's lying in bed and she's like, she's like, what the fuck is going on? And he's, like, lying there, like, trying not to laugh. And he's shaking. It's <laughs> crazy. Because he's shaking, she's like, "Are you are you laughing?" He's like, "No, no, I'm having a wank." <laughs> that's great. That's great, man. That is so good. Yeah. Uh, like, but that that's the thing. It's just that is the silliness I think that needs to yeah. be brought back. I think that's why the club uh, comedy is having such a resurgence again. Yeah. It's just like, oh, finally, uh, we, we got we paid fucking ten quid to laugh. We haven't paid to see somebody yeah. talk about their problems. Uh, we what what the fuck? Are you, we've all got problems. Like, yeah. We're here to forget. And the quality, the quality of club comedy is really good. You've got mm. a top secret, whatever. Like mm. you know, you're oh. going to see different acts most most nights. And the, the quality is going to be really, really high. You see, like, uh, guys, like, I saw Sean uh, Walsh come in there the other right, day as yeah, well. Yeah. It was fucking great. Like, yeah. And all of the comedian, oh, man, just fucking solid. Like, yeah. it's not even just doing new material, you know? It's just yeah. fucking w- wonderful to watch. And yeah. it, that place is electric as well. There's, like, you know, you do, when you do a joke, there's, there's, you have a joke, like, uh, for, for so long, and you go, and there's the tiniest little... Like, I've got one joke on it, like... Want to say, turn something from a good joke to a fucking great joke? Cause, like yeah. even a tiny little hand movement of like just the like little a little visual representation of like say something breaking or something. Yeah. You know that you can have a joke for six months. You just do that one little thing. You act out because. Yeah just changes it but you see the difference of a club comic do their material you know you've done your stuff at home yeah. a thousand times and you and, and while you're doing it, your brain goes into this sort of uh it goes stir crazy yeah. and then after it goes stir crazy it goes oh why do we do this because i'm born shitless of doing this bit yeah and then you and then it develops into some new piece which added on and and, and you can see that there's none of that in the the fringe stuff yeah. Because it hasn't been drilled that much. It's Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's still it's, it's still scripted. And it hasn't it hasn't it, it, they're, it's terrified from leaving the script. Yeah. Because whereas the club stuff is like I know this. It doesn't fucking matter where it goes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Club it's stuff alive. is like club stuff is always like just telling somebody in the pub. So the bit's always going to be different. Mm. You know what I mean? Because mm. if you're going to tell your mate a story, then the pub you wouldn't script it all out and yeah. learn it and then be like, so you know, yeah, yeah. start reading the script and mm. just tell them. Mm-hmm. So you're, we, we arranged to do this podcast before uh, and you're doing some filming. So you're doing some acting as well with, what was the, what was the thing? Can you talk about it or not? Um, yeah, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure 
what it was that I was doing before. You said you're doing some four days filming or something. Uh, up in up in Scotland. Was yeah the, that yeah, yeah yeah. So like it's a, a hidden camera prank show, oh, but right. um, but it got green lit. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can actually. Oh nice, that's great. Though. I mean, but, that's okay. It's alright. Right. But, but yeah, yeah, that's great, man. So do you do voiceovers as well, or? Uh, I don't do voiceovers. Like I, I should maybe I should maybe get a voiceover reel or mm-hmm. something. Um, but I've done I've done some acting. I played uh, Mick Fleetwood in an ITV drama. Mm-hmm. And what was that car- character? Uh, Mick is from Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Fleetwood Mac. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I thought it was. I wasn't sure. I was going to yeah. risk it. I'm not sure. I'm like, yeah, great, man. Is that fun? Yeah, it was really good fun. Uh, I still haven't seen it. And what else have I done? I can't remember what I've done. But yeah, I've done. Oh, I've done. You know, um, stuff for BBC Blue Tent and uh, I well, do. Well, to tell me what Blue Tent is. Oh, so it's just the like... big, the big Blue Tent in Edinburgh. Oh yeah, you're right, right. So I've done stand up. I've done panel show type things mm. in there. So it's nice. Yeah, it's, the, uh, it's, it's really nice doing the buzz. Yeah. And so the, uh, are you uh, aligned to go do Mock of the Week soon? Or what? Oh, no. I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll ever get on get on that kind of thing. Why so? Um, well, there's a, there's a big push for diversity, which, you know, is obviously great. You know, you need uh-huh. different people represented, but um, they've already got enough white men. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, and if they do need more white men, they're not going to look for some... Scottish guy in his 40s they're right. going to go for somebody who went to Oxbridge but I mean also you know Mock the Week and all that kind of stuff is kind of it's kind of dying a bit yeah like I think the real the real um, path is like online and Get Netflix and all that kind of stuff the only problem is man all that stuff you've got to like actually be motivated motivated to do it whereas like comedy has got a deadline built in mm-hmm. so you got to get to the gig mm-hmm. and do the gig and uh, you know that's the deadline Whereas with other stuff, like I've been writing this article all week and they didn't give me a deadline. So I just know I'm never going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, had, I had to write an article because I did some stuff for the New Zealand Herald and they were like, oh, can you do, can you do that? I'm like, yeah, sure. And they didn't give me a deadline. So I just, I, I think I finished it about nine months later. <laughs> <laughs> like if there's no deadline, yeah. I, can't, I can't do something. Yeah. So, you need to worry, don't you? You need that stress, that extra kind of boost to kind of, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, like that you're not going to get paid. If you, do they pay you already for it or? Was no, it, no, you get paid. Is... You get paid when when you do it. Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah, and then like New this New Zealand, so you get taxed at source. It's really annoying. Oh man, and then you get taxed again in the UK. Oh, t- t- oh, so much tax, so they can like pay for opera singers and stuff. <laughs> Bullshit. What's the next step for you then, Leo? I mean, you love comedy. That's your love, yeah. first love, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, when I say I do right. I do yeah. acting, I mean I've done some acting. I don't like I'm shit at it, and like I don't really want to. I don't really want to do it. But I do. Yeah. I've got an agent in LA, and oh, she yeah. thinks that only problem is like getting a visa for over there costs oh. a fortune. Then you've got the opportunity cost of missing shows here. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I might go over to LA. She reckons like I'll be because I'm just making so much stuff at the moment, yeah, yeah. and they don't have anybody with like Scottish accents, Great. and yeah. also like you know stand up comedians, yeah. and she can get me on the showcase shows. Great. And she thinks that you know my style because I mean my style of stuff like British comedy, the industry likes sort of posh, whimsical. Mm. men and like you know all this and young people and stuff and I'm none of that stuff I'm, a, I'm an American style comedian man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in my 40s uh, I'm loud very sort of um, quite direct and yeah. stuff so much more in the American vein and much more you know I think I'd, I'd get somewhere more in America mm-hmm. the only problem is you've got to get this visa and spend loads of money get and get flyers and stuff yeah. That's it. You can't crack it with just one visit. Like, but in in acting, what would you? What would, it, would there be some sort of area of there that you would like to do the best? Well, she says there's loads of sitcoms. Huh. But honestly, man, acting's like 
acting's rubbish. It's like it's sort of it's sort of easy and difficult at the same time. Like I'm always going for castings for adverts and I never get them. Mm. They're always like, oh, so you know, imagine your daughter's over there and you're like you're worried about. It. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, man! Can I just? Well, there's only one thing I can really do, and that's like look like Mick Fleetwood because I look exactly like him. <laughs> yeah, right. And also just be sort of angry and stuff. So yeah. like just, but there's, they never want an angry person in an advert. That's yeah, true. Although, well, never mind. Well, yeah, there can't be all this subtle, subtle face acting, yeah, looking yeah. all you know concerned and then happy or whatever. But yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm happy. I'm sad. It's yeah, <laughs> a load of shit. But then, like a lot of acting, like you just like Mick Fleetwood. All I did was I just pretended. I pretended I was Mick Fleetwood, and that's cool. what that's what acting is. Was he just angry? Was he? Like no, he was. Well, so I, I did. I did the voice and everything. John, you've got to tell me what's happening. What's the problem playing these parts? <laughs> so I do the voice like yeah. exactly like he does it. So comedy, where are you where are you going next? What are you doing? What's the transgressive? You're going to be touring that show? Yeah, so that's I'm taking that to I'm taking that to Adelaide and Perth in January and February, and I'm I'm really happy with that show. Mm. I'm going to get it filmed properly and then like um, get it punted round because I had a had a clip like a 20 minute clip go like slightly viral. It was on Comedy Unleashed, and so that's got me some attention. Like Americans being all like, you should come to LA and like you know do it. It's like um, so I think if I get that full show filmed and get it in front of like I don't know Netflix or whatever, I think it's I think it's you know it's got the potential to to sort of get get somewhere. And so with Netflix, you just like you just film it and then you just submit to them and see what they think. Yeah, I don't know how it really works, but I'm just going to film it. A lot of people film their own specials, like Kay Curd, uh, Rob mm. Mulholland, Freddie Quinn. Like they film their own specials. Adam Rowe. People people just do mm. it for them, do it themselves these mm. days. Mm-mm. And then uh, the industry, and then they put them online and like get loads of views and stuff. Mm. Like the one from Comedy Unleashed is already on like hundred thousand views, which I know isn't like you know it's not Kim Kardashian or anything. It's great, but it's, it's it's good. It's yeah. like it's getting. It's getting um, industry people seeing it and stuff, mm. which is which is great. Even like my mate, my mate sent me his dad had forwarded it to him. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, he's uh, cool. really getting out there. I mean, like, it's, it's genuinely getting uh, shared by yeah, by yeah. people. It's great when a family see it before you do. It's like fuck it. Yeah. I don't have to show them anymore because they can ignore yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and hating life is going to be in top secret soon. Sometimes, yeah. It? In the new year, they're going to get, and also we're taking that to um, to the Adelaide Festival as well. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be in, in top secret. Right, okay. Yeah. And your show's going to be taken to Perth and Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, transgressive. Yeah. yeah. And it's coming to uh, top secret on the 8th of December as well. Top secret 8th of December. Right, yeah. great. Um, so what else have you got in the pipeline apart from you got, you got greenlit for a pilot, you know, for something? Yeah, there. so I'm going up there to film some of that in December and then in March when I'm back as well. Man, there's always stuff that I just forget about. Mm. And then you're like, oh yeah, because I can only remember that pilot because the <laughs> guy just emailed me. So yeah, there's always just like tedious admin. I don't do much like actually emailing and asking for gigs. So it's, it's funny. There's like there's clubs that I've never played. I've never done up the creek or oh. a comedia. Maybe I should get in with them. But like yeah, I just I just sort of um, uh, wait for the promoters to send. I mean, the ones that I do chase up will be like the comedy store to make sure. But then uh, most of them will just like sort of get in touch and either send you a gig list you know they send out a mailing list to all the comedians on their list mm. and then you just reply mm. or they'll get in touch and just um just book in a bunch of dates so where can we find you um someone instagram is scottish comedian yeah it's all one word yeah and how yeah much was that how much was that fucking uh man free what? scottish comedian no way. yeah can you believe free. that shit? 
Free, I can, it's just available. I wow. can't believe it. Available. Scottish comedian. Amazing. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. You did well there. Is yeah. That, it's, it's, like, that, it's like in the first ever, like, you know, Mr. Smith at yeah. hotmail.com or yeah. something. You know what I mean? It's like. It's one of those things that people probably think this will never be available. There's no point in going for that, right? Yeah. So, so because how many, because you were a Scottish comedian of the year. Uh, yeah. 2000 and what? Uh, so it's 2017 18. 2017 18, right. And so, like, like, so since then, there's been Stephen Buchanan and Mark. Uh, Chaitan, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, so, but before that, how many years has that been going? Oh, that's been going ages. There you go. How the fuck did no one get Scottish comedian? I know. <laughs> that is even the even the, the, the fucking Scottish comedian of the fucking year. I'm on YouTube. If you search for Leo Kers on Leo YouTube Kers. and stuff, I'm putting up videos all the time now because you know after getting the heat from the comedy unleashed, one I've realised yeah. you know that's what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do more of that. But yeah, and also on my website, leokers.com, you can come, there's like, there's a list of gigs, okay. uh, so you can come to, to the gigs, although it's always like, you know, Colchester for Dave, or something like that, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to me, but I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, that's, that's on there. Well, they can always email you for the address, isn't it? Hey, that's it. Do you re-show any of the other shows that you've done uh, in the past? Nah, not really. I mean, I'll maybe crank out the material at some, somewhere like um, Comedy Unleashed, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I've got it filmed and stuff, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't do... To be honest, like, I can meet you Tory and right-wing comedian. I wasn't, you know, the, I, thought, I think they're good, but they're more like just bits mm-hmm. of stand-up clumped together into a show gotcha. whereas transgressive is much more of a sort of it tells it's got an arc and it yeah. tells a story and I'm really uh, happy with it as a bit of stand up and so uh, like I run a gig in Hamill you've been to do that man that's a really nice gig yeah man it's great we've gotten, we've gotten bigger now oh, you played the small like, I'm just like Gilda Balloon now you played the small room uh, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. No, but now we've moved to you know the, there's a little bit on it's a 60 seater now right so nice. and, the, and we've filled that every month and now Brilliant. we're moving to like we're maybe get 100 seater in there right so amazing so I'd love to have you back sometime man and yeah to I do, love that to do, also to do pun man <laughs> if you could bring that back as well the trouble is man the awesome. trouble is with pun man because sometimes promoters book me as uh-huh. pun man because they're like they, you know, they want yeah. some variety or something, yeah, but sure. like, because I don't do it anymore, it's, oh. it's kind of shit now. Oh, right. When I was, when my brain was in pun man mode, yeah, I was yeah. just pinging up. You know, people shout stuff out and have puns for whatever. Yeah. But it's really, it's you really gotta have faith to... in that character. I mean, yeah, imagine like getting Bill Burr and putting him in spandex <laughs> and telling him he's got to do puns. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just doesn't fit now. Doesn't yeah. fit now. It's all right. You know, you've got the, you know, you've had like handing your badge and your gun sort of thing yeah. like that. It's like yeah, pun man. It's a, but he's retired. Uh, but Leo, thanks for doing the show, man. I really thanks for having it. me, man. Been fun, man. Cheers. Thank you. And that was episode 81 with a very funny Leo Curse. I hope you enjoyed that one. If you did, share it, tell your friends about it. Next month, we have Javier Costales. He's a bit of an improvisational genius. I've seen him at work. He's absolutely excellent. We spent an hour and a bit talking to him about comedy and stuff like that, the usual, but it's in a different way. We talk about um, how he creates jokes and how what a joke is and, and how he looks at it. I think everyone's got a unique perspective on comedy anyway. That is episode 82 at the end of January in 2021. We're nearly at the end of 2020. I hope you have a good New Year's Eve and you make some decent New Year's resolutions. Now, the government's saying we're all in this together. No, that's not true. They're a hell of a lot more comfortable than we are. They are way more comfortable. They're, they have mansions and they have like, you know, drivers and everything like this. So we're not all in this together. We're all experiencing the difficulty in different ways. Now, there's people out there that you care about and you're not sure how they're doing. Just give them a phone call. 
or you know like just write them a letter or or a card I've been writing a lot of Christmas cards this year because there's people I, I have forgotten about and this year has given me a lot of time to think about how they are and what they're up to this year has given me a lot of time to reflect on how everyone else is doing so if you have a thought like this and think about how are they doing just drop them a line you don't know how they may be you know in a, in a dire straits and in a bad situation they might be really struggling so you, that phone call or that message might be the thing that pulls them out of a, a bad situation and there are other people you can ring the Samaritans it's a difficult time of year I know Christmas so all I'll say is this alright if there's somebody thinking about and you're just wondering how they are just don't let it go. the thought go don't let the thought go just give them a ring and see how they're getting on until 2021 guys I wish you a Merry Christmas what's left of it eat loads Enjoy yourselves if you can and hopefully reach out to those people that you love and you know you care about. And uh, until then, happy new year. And let's hope 2021 kicks 2020's ass. See you next year.